Welcome to your favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Continuing our Ronin coverage today, but first we've got to let you guys know that we are a daily comic book YouTube channel with a catalog of more than 1,400 videos, and the chances are we talked about your favorite comics, but maybe we didn't. Hit the little magnifying glass on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe uh, homepage on YouTube. Give it a search. See if we talked about your faves. If not, put something in the comments. Let us know what books we need to push to the top of our to-read stacks. We have a Patreon for the early adopters and the biggest supporters of Cartoonist Kayfabe. Uh, you get in early, become a King Kayfaber. You're hanging out in the chats with us as we record these videos, and you get access to all the videos before anybody else. Continuing that Ronin coverage, we have issue 5 right here, chapter 5 of this very important Bleeding Edge series of Frank Miller's career. And uh, Jimmy, if you're good to go, we could just jump right into things. I'm not. I have a note on issue four that I did not get across last time. Mm -hmm. I really liked issue four. And the reason was I feel like the characterization starts to catch up. You know, like two and three, I feel like Miller's establishing this world and kind of like figuring out stuff for himself. And some of it doesn't really pay off in a lot of ways, like maybe some of the gangs that are inhabiting New York. I don't know that that's something that we're going to see as we continue forward. But by issue four, we start to see Casey, her husband, even uh, Virgo, the the AI behind Aquarius, they all start to exhibit more characterization, and I respond to that. Mm -hmm. And this issue is my favorite one to read so far in terms of those characters making sense, and I feel like you can see what they're doing, why they're doing it, and in a lot of ways, I want them to accomplish stuff at this point, you know? So... Um, it's funny because it's almost like Miller was wrangling cats at some point in the series and now they're under control and they're starting to put on their little show and jump through hoops and things, pieces are fitting together. Right. And it's starting to kind of make sense to me in terms of a story and a plot and threads coming together. This is a Warner's Communications book uh, published by DC Comics, May 1984 and a top of rooftop in Hell's Kitchen. We have Casey and uh, the Ronin after some post-coital fucking lovemaking. You're seeing those Sin City marks off the bat with these pools of black that you see. You know, remove the color. You got Sin City illustrations here. And uh, one of the fun things aesthetically for this issue is that uh, we're going to get some more of that Goseki Kojima type line work. I think we see a little haze of the blue line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for on, sure. On uh, the far left That's there. funny. It's Because um, I see it in the trade paperback, too, and I don't know how well it'll show up. But what I see is it's out of registration, right? Because we're seeing blue across the top and the side. So, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting to see that part. And we've been saying it every installment is just the artwork is really the fun part up, up till now. And uh, you see Miller learning a lot and getting more confident. He talks about learning to ink in this series. I think at this point, he's pretty confident in what he can do with ink. And... You see it. It's a mix of that line work that you mentioned, along with those spotted blacks that are just, in my mind, a trademark of Miller. When I think of the Miller artwork I love, it's this kind of like bold kind of spotting of blacks. I think this is the issue where Lynn Varley arrives. She's at, doing a lot. At her full uh, potential of what we know her to be. Take a look at this fire. Uh, Tom mentioned it on the last chapter episode where she's able to choose colors and hues that communicate the illumination from fire on the character's skin tones and stuff but she's she's playing you know she's able to get a diverse range of color that you just have never seen 
in comics up to up to this point. I think this is the stuff too that we we read all those quotes on the cover and it's other professionals talking about how groundbreaking this is. And I think when you open it and you see this, no Marvel and DC comic looked like this before. No, sir. Uh, if there was any doubt that Aquarius is uh, is not gobbling up money-making Manhattan or whatever New York uh, borough this is, yeah. we see it going down right here. Yeah, it is. Sp- it has been spreading and spreading, and it is overwhelming how much it's taken over. It's good storytelling stuff because Frank still gives you one building for context. So he's saying that, yes, it's completely developed the city. And how do we know it's a city? Because you see a water tower and you see you see one lone building in the mixture. This makes me want to go back to the artist edition again totally. because it looks like this is very blown up. Yeah, totally. You see the big dots yeah. and, and they're uneven, which suggests like a blown up photo set. And also the duo tone is uh, very, I don't know that they ever made it that big. Maybe to size. Could you be. know, maybe yeah, this was be. drawn to the size of that the, the comp- part, part of the reason I got to go back to the artist edition that yeah. I got to cross references. We're looking at this and we do have a video of that. There's a play playlist called it's Miller time. And that is all of our Frank Miller videos. Plus we have a playlist on artist editions. Miller is very good at this man, creating these little moments to, to transition us from above ground into uh, Aquarius. And who is it that we have restrained? Is it is this Casey's husband? Yes, Dr. McKenna, the guy who more or less built Virgo in the Aquarius compound. And as the demon takes over the owner and moves it towards a weapons manufacturer, Dr. McKenna's unhappy and now he's at odds with Vertigo. And you see him restrained because uh, they don't want him to ruin anything. Right. And he's being uh, questioned. And that, of course, is our, I guess, owner, person who's in charge of Aquarius and Virgo, uh, inhabited by the demon at this point, and uh, he's basically our bad guy. And he's kind of inhabited by Aquarius technology. You, you see his little Caligula, like Caesar, uh, you know, crown of thorns or whatever, fig leaves. Uh, the technology is all up and down that that costume. This is um, one of the things that emerged to me reading this issue is the idea that like Virgo is a character. Yeah, Virgo is not. I, I don't think is uh, consumed by the demon. Right. So, like, what is Virgo's interest in all of this? I must call her her, but it's like it's the machine. Like, what is the machine, the sentient machine's interest in this? Good guy, bad guy. What are we looking at there? Yeah, that is a good question because because it's not virtuous. It's maybe is it self preservation? Maybe that all comes comes out in uh, issue six. It's very unclear to me. Yeah. You know. Um, it's playing both sides of the fence because he's letting people go, but he's also doing some things that, that we would consider to be not good. Yeah. And we're going to see those in this issue as we keep going. Yeah. But it, but it did occur to me reading it this time. Like it did feel like that's a character and I'm not sure what that character's motivation is. McKenna convinces his captors to, to free him and he semi lobotomizes or at least renders deaf. We'll say. Uh, the Aquarius AI so that they could actually have a proper private conversation. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Become a King Kayfaber and mitigate the Kayfabe effect. You get all the videos before anybody else. We have more than 1,400 videos up on the channel as we speak. Hit the little magnifying glass, search around to see if we're talking about your favorite comics. If not, let us know in the comments so that we can show off 
uh, the, your favorite stuff on the channel. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Before You is a healthy bibliography of the stuff that we have available, but there's new material coming out all the time. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you this holiday season. In fact, your store needs to order it now. Uh, they have the, that opportunity to do so. It's going to come out October 18th collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree, plus 140 pages of additional material, 500 plus pages of comics in there. The X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback is coming to you in November, just in time for Christmas as well. Several volumes of that are out of print as we speak. The current focus is Red Room, and two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Crypto Killers is the latest miniseries of Red Room, and there is a backup feature that is going to show off the characters that I'm covering in my daily comic strip in 2024. So this is going to be a hot key. Jimmy's got plenty of stuff on the horizon. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is coming out in November. This is going to collect all of the Street Angel material before Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. So you need both volumes to, to have all of Jim Rugg's Street Angel comics on hand. The Hulk Grand Design treasury edition book is out of print so when you see this it's going to be your last opportunity to scoop up these books make sure you do so you might be able to find some on amazon but they are going going quick quickly jimmy's been in the self-publishing game for a while this 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 past year he's got true crime funnies three non-fiction stories a couple of them uh have wrestling in the subject matter 1986 zine and the bw zine are back the bw zine back in print and 1986 zine is on the horizon. We need to do a whole episode on this, Jimmy. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. There's a lot of exposition along those lines mm -hmm. throughout this whole series. Probably one of the things that doesn't work as well. Um, you know, I'm always going to be against too much exposition. I cringe whenever I turn the page and see tons of words. So yeah. that's always iffy. But it's such abstract concepts that we're looking at that you probably have to do some version of that kind of exposition. We're going to see a series of spreads here that are kind of like in Ronin vision and literal to what, say, Casey is seeing or what's actually happening, you know, inside the real world. And when we get our Matrix interpretation of, you know, the feudal Japan, that's when we're bringing back the Koseki Kojima type, type line work. Yeah, it's cool to see that because it does feel like Miller's put in a whole bunch of hours since that first issue. The background color of this spread here, there's like a very heavy paper texture that is making me very curious because it, it shows off in these two panels as well, but not not the following. So it's like it's like uh, Lynn Varley was coloring on some weird kind of board, but just for like, you know, two thirds of the page, three quarters of the page. Which seems peculiar. Do you right? see? Do you see it in the trade? I don't. I think it looks like. Oh, you know what? There is something else going on on that on that one. I think it's it's just the printing. Yeah, that may be a printing because thing. because it looks pretty clear here. Right, it looks pretty cohesive there. You know, in terms of the texture of paper that's coming through, it's so. I mean, that's such a touchy thing. You know, like they really are doing something cutting edge here and figuring out how to have a camera that's going to get that level of detail. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think that's a crapshoot at this time period. Yeah, you're probably right. And they got it right in the trade. Uh, this this two-page spread, I swear, is, is done in the Turtles comics with a bunch of foot soldiers up there holding the exact same weapons I'm, I'm feeling like. But, uh, man, I enjoy the samurai part of this comic probably more than anything. So I do too. So to revisit, that is extra fun. Because it's also, like, the stuff that 
Miller's pulling from. Sure, the comics, but he's definitely pulling from those baby cart movies, man. Because, like, these dudes had those kind of helmets and stuff. Really like Varley's coloring on these pages, too. It's very minimal. I think it complements this a lot. Yeah. And it's almost, um, there are superhero elements, right? Like, we're still stuck in that genre, but they look fresh here. Mm hmm You know, it doesn't feel like it's spandex samurai warriors. No, that's true. That's true. Man, in the line drawing here, again, I want to go back to the artist edition and just enjoy looking at the line drawings. Yeah, man. Uh, 81, he would have done that Wolverine miniseries and leave this, like, kind of negative space on every page. So he's kind of, like, revisiting that, pushing everything toward the center, which this is a two-page spread. You, you've never seen a two-page spread like this before. Yeah, it would have been freedom that he got with Ronan that yeah. you wouldn't get in a monthly Marvel DC book where you can't control the spreads with the ads. Um, it's also... This open, more open space to me feels a little bit like manga storytelling where like you can really breeze through these pages, these combat sequences. Totally. Uh, it is kind of a dream state when you see the kind of uh, Shogun warriors and stuff. And Lynn Varley colors it with that in mind. It's a very pastel, dreamy, hazy kind of color palette. A lot of blues. It's fascinating to think of this as like 83 getting towards 84 and then like 85 i think electra uh, electra lives again pages emerge as early as 85 right so it's kind of cool to see him coming off of this and maybe going into that at least some ideas and you can see it uh even with page one you know like there's there's a clear line approach to some of that yeah some of it's in there we often talk about these ideas registering in these creators and it's like keep that list and you can apply them to future projects and it feels like there's a lot here that goes into Electra Lives Again. Some good visual storytelling here, man, where like what we are seeing in these pages is not is not the reality and and Miller will remind us here and there. So, you know, it's not exactly an old, you know, quilled arrow coming at him. It's a little piece of Aquarius tech has blown his goddamn cybernetic arm off. Yeah, and once it breaks, the visuals will also reinforce it like it's a different anchor now here in the in the present. Yeah. In the real world. Putting in those big black pools again. And I wonder as a reader, like, how much of a shock when you turn that page and realize, oh, wait a minute. it's Those aren't samurai warriors and ninjas that are fighting. This is actually the future, and it's these robot AI security robots. Yeah, you gotta pay attention. This is not a comic, a Stanley comic that tells you what you're seeing on the page. Like you, you as a reader, you have to do some work. And uh, this, this here's what Aquarius has been building: these little AI stormtroopers. And. The demo back in Aquarius is the uh, the group that they're trying to sell these weapons to. Hey, watch this demo. Right. And now we're back to the to Dr. McKenna and his captor, and they're having this discussion. He's talking about Billy, who was the uh, the armless, legless body that Ronan inhabits, and yeah. then Ronan grows those cybernetic arms and legs that he's operating with. Yeah, we're gonna get a little bit more. Uh into 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 Billy's character. Yeah, and you see Casey kind of going to him. That was a relationship that's established early on as, you know, he kind of crushed on on Casey. Pretty interesting stuff here, you know, like for wordless two-page spread, Miller has established these characters and their relationships to some degree, 
and you can have these wordless sequences now and see kind of like one character empathizing with another character that they have this history together. The, Pretty ambitious for a comic. Agreed. Especially back then. And uh, <laughs> the Ronin is now rendered back to Billy status, which is to say a Thanksgiving turkey with a human head. Casey's dialogue, some fun dialogue. I have no idea what's going on here, but there's only one place on Earth that make green plastic robots. So what's the deal, Virgo? Cool robot designs. It is funny, too, because like the, the robot never looks the same from panel to panel. How could it? <laughs> it's such an impossible drawing. Makes me think of Fugitoid. Yeah, you know? yeah, with those proportions, for sure. The big ankles and things. So now let's get our Billy origin story about how, you know, he... And there's a whole lot of, like, you know, is he handicapable in the headpiece or something like that? Uh, he must he must be angry because he has no arms and legs it's 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 kind of antiquated yeah talk. it definitely is weirdly you know it's probably one of those criticisms that miller will follow miller throughout his career um you know an insensitivity to political correctness or something um i i look at it though and one of the takeaways for me again is on the visual side like sure this is yet another style that we have not seen applied yet yes and and it is that clear line style I think it's a really effective use of style as storytelling device because Absolutely. I'm not confused cross-cutting between these two different times. I'm not confused at all because the visuals are so distinct. Yeah, totally. I think one of the hallmarks of like the modern day pieces on this page is black and like maybe this pen could could use more black yeah, to just be. make sure that we get out of there, but it's that it's that uh rhythmic thing where it's like, you know, flashback, you know, current flashback flashback current current flashback and we're seeing young billy getting bullied and and, and the way that that uh, ma manifests itself is tickling an armless guy with no legs is it, maybe the height of evil yeah i was thinking about this reading this and it's like what could you do like all you could do is try to squirm away like you're completely at the mercy of the of the abuser gotta put your brains into a happy place and of course lynn varley colored it with the accurate colors of a ginger because that would be only th something a ginger would um, do. Shades of things to come here with a Batman poster on the wall behind Billy. <laughs> is that what that is? Oh, yeah, I guess it is, huh? Yeah, it is. That's funny. And then uh, this is the, the juxtaposition. Like, left left hand, you got Billy, little Thanksgiving turkey. And then you got the armless, legless Ronin on the right. So we're merging their kind of origins and showing that uh, there's a new wrinkle. We got some psionic powers which is huge in the fucking early 80s. Like, there's, what, three maybe uh, Stephen King novels that that have uh, psychokinesis, telekinesis, right. something like that. There's Ari Geller. Like, there, there was a lot of that in, in the pop culture at this time. Yeah, and I wonder um, also, you know, like, it, it's kind of cool to read this again and read it in order. And so one of the things, uh, questions that I had, like, reading this and having not read book six yet. Yeah. Is that idea of Virgo? Because it was implied earlier that Billy has some kind of abilities that go beyond um, just whatever the machine is able to do in terms of his mind and the arms or the cybernetics. Yes. And there was that implication that he's got more psychic power than just that. It's not just the tech. And it makes me wonder, is that something Virgo is on board with? So again, like, where is Virgo's loyalty in all of this? What does she know about Billy? Why would she send those soldiers if she wasn't evil? Right. But I'm not convinced she is yet. So kind of interesting it just opens up more questions that again the web is getting tighter all these characters are are getting closer and closer together so we're going to get some answers 
but I like that this was laid down earlier, the idea that Billy had some of these powers. And right. Apparently, uh, even laid down earlier now at this point. He's Domu, man. Yes. And mom comes home and is like, you're a monster. My thoughts are like, you know, if he had the right mom, she would have been a stage parent and uh, monetized that little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> that seems very far ahead of its time for 83. <laughs> Probably the most disturbing panel of the whole comic right there. Yeah, it, it is It is really weird because Billy does not look like a young kid or anything. That's for sure. You know who he does look like, though? And, and if we, it, he wouldn't have been like this back then, but there is, there is one person still being kept alive inside of an iron lung. And he's been in that iron lung like his whole life. And he looks kind of like this guy. He's got kind of like... A red face is like getting chipped off, chipped away from like whatever kind of shit he's got going on, and you know he's just laying on his back, paints with a brush in his mouth and stuff like that. Like, but uh, there's one guy being kept alive in one of those things, and he's not unlike that. You know, just put the iron lung right there. Now you can't be messing with Casey with these little robots. This also seems like this is Billy now, not Ronan. Right. You know, it's, it's snapped whatever was inside of, you know, Ronan's control or whatever. It feels like that has snapped, maybe. It's such, like, it's such, visually, it's just one of those things where we turn this guy into a full different, you know, it's Psylocke or something. Like, that part is just impossible to... It is strange. ...to understand, you know? Like, if you just made him, like, an Asian dude from the start, it's... I just don't... That part seems unnecessary, right? Back to McKenna. Yeah, and this is, again, what I was saying about... He's he's demonstrated he has some type of power, and it seems like a few people are aware that there may be more to his psychic ability than he usually shows. Yeah. Doing some of this off-kilter panel stuff where we're just breaking down these conversations more and more, and this is your exposition stuff, but we're not going to get a skew to give you this last panel with the kind of uh, hysterical laughter. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I think Miller continues to do that experiment with page layouts and panel layouts for uh, many, many years after this. <laughs> so now we're getting, this is that banality of evil stuff. And it's textbook. It's, uh, well, I just have a job. But, you know, I'm just doing a job. I'm just following orders. I could quit, but they'll just get somebody else in there at a certain point so why not just stay if somebody's going to do the job why not just me so it's it's uh making all those concessions to continue doing something evil is what we have with this couple of pages some of my favorite stuff in comics and comics writing is stuff like this where like it's a universal human truth right you know like a lot of us can relate to this being in those positions where you're doing something you don't want to do and you rationalize it Totally. Those are those are those feel like true moments to me. Like, okay, that's hum that's a human moment. Good good to put that into a fantastic story. That helps ground it. And uh we're getting these hat hatch marks that we really haven't seen this issue anywhere else except in this particular sequence. And you could deconstruct them real easy too. They're those like perfect uh what is it uh, what kind 45 of 45 degree angles. degree angles man i always think of that with gerhard like, yeah i remember reading i think it was a comics journal interview and he talked about that <laughs> that's how he would do his hatching 
let's put the arm back on Ronin, Ronin and go back to La La Land. But now we're getting the back and forth between, you know, what's happening in Ronin's mind and then what we're seeing in the reality. And it's very seamless in the visual storytelling approach with Miller's artwork and with Lynn Varley's color. You know, when we are in the modern day, she will give you those browns to storytelling effect. This is another fun characterization piece because Casey's really helping the Ronin or Billy in this sequence. Virgo's telling her not to, and she's like, shut up, Virgo. I think I'm in love. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, be damned the fidelity of the marriage to Dr. McKenna. Oh, he, he already busted some fucking loads inside of her already, man. And now there are, uh, sounds like a helicopter, but Ronan explains their wings. It's this demon, his flying demon slaves. And this is a great spread. It's a great spread. It's so clearly visually illustrates what we just said, you know, of crossing those two worlds. And it's like, you don't need one caption to explain this spread. And, and, and the cool thing is like, she's seeing a little bit of that stuff and such a smart panel to have kind of transitioning over both where she's wiping her eyes clean and then sees the fresh stuff like that. This is a great piece of storytelling. It really is. It's fascinating too. Like again, I've said it before, I enjoy listening to conspiracy podcasts and they talk about all these crazy things. And the idea of linking AI and demons and, you know, all this stuff, like it's all in this story. It's so weirdly prescient in a way. It took Miller like these five issues to get to this place where he arrives at this very pleasing set of uh, mark making where the, the sort of holding line of the outside contour of the figures is big bold yes and then you get that little rapidograph to do all the little gizmos and doodads and radio shack bits on the inside and that just that's very attractive to me it works great and it defies like traditional inking where it's normally put your heavy black line under on the bottom side yeah you know like that's not what he's doing here it's a different type of use of line and i think i think this gets picked up on in in the future there, there's a, there's a wing of art style that that has that kind of an approach to it as Rome burns or Caligula standing watching watching everything go down yeah and you you get a little bit of like Virgo doesn't seem like it wants to destroy Casey but it also can't let Casey go right and so when she makes a run for the subway that's what happens and there she is in the rubble with uh very rights and like mark making, I would say, Frankenstein era type rock textures, which I I don't know about you. I've done this a million times where I I I need a certain aesthetic. I like like there's there's something that I have to draw that I might not have ever drawn before. So then you think about like what's the best version of that that comes to mind, and uh, this is very much in the school of like Frazetta incline, rights and incline. Yeah, those planes being defined by the different crosshatch, yeah. definitely something that I've seen done a lot. Uh, you know, especially when it's done well, it kind of sticks out like that. You know what? If you go back one page. Yes, sir. I love this ending because McKenna is now back incarcerated. You know, you see the restraints go on there. And Virgo's, I don't know if she's killing him or not, but this is a shot that you won't have a tense thought in your head, not a single one. And as it's about to go into his neck, his last thought is Casey, uh, which is both touching to me as like, he, you know, this is his wife, he loves her, whatever their relationship's going to be. But it's also the great transition of like, as he's calling out her name as possibly his last thought as a living person, you turn the page and indeed it is Casey. And, you know, his 
whatever in time of peril calling out his wife's name also in that state of peril and i'll tell you something man you get to this point and it's like okay that's a clear end of this chapter what is going to happen next when i look at it in the trade paperback you see the facing page i like having this this ending like it's it's a pause here as opposed to the trade where i see what happens next and in a weird way it takes away some of the strength of that image and of that like end of this chapter moment totally that's something i feel like good book design has come a long way in figuring out how do we do this you know we talked to jeff darrow last week and it was like oh i had to insert a page here because i wanted to maintain this certain rhythm once the book is collected as a book and i think that's something that like i encourage everybody that makes this stuff to think in those ways like what is the reading experience for sure uh super attractive to how lynn varley has that one warm color of this blood and it's a dark blood there's blood with like blue in it still has the oxygen in in uh in that blood it's a very kind of dark dull you know it's not it's not uh dawn of the dead red wax candle blood uh but just highlighting the uh sort of focal point you know you almost might not be able to tell that that's a damn face without a little of that help I've really enjoyed Casey's evolution over this series. Like at the end of issue one, I don't know that you go, oh, Casey's a hero or, you know, she's the Electra in this right. story. At this point, I feel like clearly that's what she has turned out to be. And I like that part. I like that evolution. It feels novelistic that you're not just giving us that on page one, issue one. Right. Um, and it gives you a second character now besides the Ronin as like a potential hero and somebody you might, what's going to happen to her? Is she dead here? Is she going to, are we going to see her at the end? I'm, I'm pretty psyched for issue six, I guess yeah, is what I'm saying there. Yeah, sounds so good. So go Frank Miller, you know, like I've kind of spun full full way around on this series. Issue two and three, I was ready to be like, nope, I understand <laughs> all the criticism or why this lost momentum. And I've seen a lot of people comment because we talk about this as being like an unsuccessful series. Whenever I say that, I'm referring to sales. Yeah, that's You know, this is a very expensive series and I don't think it delivered the sales that DC was looking for initially. Yeah. So that's what I mean by unsuccessful. In terms of the narrative, um, I think there's ups and downs, but I feel like we're at a really good place here at the penultimate climax of like, I want to read issue six. Yeah. I don't say that about every book that we look at here. (laughs) Yeah, it's still, you know, it's still bleeding edge. Like, it's still experimental and Frank Miller trying a lot of different things, which which uh, flies in the face of cohesion, you know, aesthetically, maybe thematically sometimes in, in spots. But it was, I think, it was a very necessary project to happen. And uh, I might have read the entire Ronin three times. Uh, it's been a long time since the last time I read the whole thing. So I don't even remember. I, I remember the lights going out. You know, like like uh, when you flip the page and yep. you see like shit get darker and darker. And I remember a pullout somewhere or maybe several pullouts, but I don't remember too much. You know, I got them out of order. So like I probably got issue six and maybe didn't even read it when I got it because it's like I got to wait until I get, you know, these other missing issues or something. Reading it all in one order like this, I don't remember doing that. I probably did it, mm-hmm. but it didn't make an impression on me. And uh, I've really enjoyed going through it this way. I and it you- makes me want to go back into that artist edition. There's so many pages that I look at and I think like... Man, the drawing. Yeah. Yeah. The, those last couple of issues, this issue and uh, the final issue, I think, are like the notoriously uh, harder ones to find because the way it works, stores have to order stuff, you know, three months in advance, basically. So they have to f- shoot blind for issue one, two, three 
But after three issues, they now have some empirical evidence, some data on what their customers are buying so they can make smarter or ordering choices by issue four. And uh, these last couple issues, not easy to find. Yeah, that's what you always hear. And it makes sense for all those reasons. Like this was a book that was just, there weren't any comps to this. No, that's uh, that's true, and you know the onus on that is is a lot a lot of the the readership you know not stepping up to to support such a weird looking project, and I I could make arguments for either way. Like, yeah, like like why would I why would I want to pay for your masturbation your artistic masturbation? Like or? I said, I I might have quit if it was around issue two. If if we'd have got it issue two, I would have been had no problem walking away from this. Right, I'd have been like, <laughs> you know what, there, there's reason for all that criticism. I'm glad that we stuck with it. I'm excited to do this. But I can see why readers would have shied away, especially at that price point. But you know, the other piece is you cut two years ahead and it's like, they figured out all of this. This is everything that's in Dark Knight is in this book from a production, sales, marketing, all of those things. And when Dark Knight shows up, it's the opposite. It is, we didn't print enough of them. We right. overprinted and we sold out before it even got to the, to the stands. You can almost see like, I just wonder what kind of talks took place with Miller, Khan, you know, Giordano, whoever was involved with this and with Dark Knight Returns, like, I feel like they went into a room and went, listen, we were almost there. We're going to adjust the dial this much. And you got, you got it. It blows my mind. Again, we say it, but how ambitious this book is compared to everything else Marvel and DC were doing at the time. And including the creators who would get shots at like, here's some freedom. What do you want to do? I'll do a Silver Surfer graphic novel. Yeah. Or a 48 page issue or something, you know, like. It's just so small-minded compared to what this is. As we go through things like Comics Journal and we, we build this narrative of the comic industry as it was at the points in time that these magazines come out, I'm going to be very curious and pay close attention to when things like, I don't know, potential Batman project are announced for Frank Miller after Ronin because we're, we got a year and a half, two-year buffer between the release of like the last issue of Ronin and the first issue of Dark Knight Returns. A lot of that time must be in production of just making the thing, but there has to be a little downtime in, in the middle there. And there's two years of comics being put out to like nurture us into this Dark Knight universe. So that's going to be something really, really worth paying close attention to when we get to those issues of Comics Journal and Amazing Heroes and stuff He's like also that. collaborating, so he's looking at stuff like he sees Bill Sienkiewicz yeah. doing New Mutants probably and goes, oh, that's interesting. Let's go talk to him. Same thing with David Lapham. So there are issues of like Amazing Hero from like, say, maybe 85 or something that'll have like Elektra and Batman, you know, like on opposite corners of a building, like like they're going to come yeah. out of the car and bump into each other. And you look inside and it's like, there's Elektra Lives Again art. There's talk about the Daredevil that he's going to do with, with Sienkiewicz. Meanwhile, he's doing Elektra with Sienkiewicz. Like, it's sort of nuts. And I wonder how much of that comes out of this where like his head is just, you know, when you do something different and it's almost like it sparks creativity, it feels like that period between now and when Dark Knight, one comes out it's not that he's just doing dark knight one right. it's almost like shit is shooting out of his brain in all these different directions and then it takes some time for all that stuff to actually bear fruit you know some longer than others but like they're doing really wild you know he's involved with some of the wildest comics that had been produced up to that point it's a fascinating thing to think about because you know on the flip side you have alan moore who is 
doing Watchmen, Swamp Thing, Miracle Man, and whatever else at the exact same time. And you know what? Those comics are amazing, of course, but they don't have the outside the direct market legs that Dark, Dark Knight becomes like I don't know, somebody that's going to the moon or something, you know, that's opening up this new territory. Sure. And then you have the Alan Moores that are like, oh yeah, now that you guys are here looking for something besides like little kid comics, check out this. It, it, it's a very creative time in comics. Absolutely, man. Can't wait to get to uh, the final issue of Ronin probably, probably next week. Good to go? I am. K-Favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available we are a daily youtube channel and we have about 1400 plus videos in our archives as we speak go to the front page of the cartoonist kayfabe youtube page hit the magnifying glass search for your favorite comics if it turns out that we didn't cover your favorite comics yet you got to let us know and uh, we will put those comics way higher on our list we have a patreon where uh, our biggest supporters can uh, subscribe to us and get all the videos before anybody else have access to this live stream recording session uh, we basically do whole episodes that only they get to see uh, in the private streams in between recording our videos but ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make so jimmy you gotta let the people know what you have forthcoming street angel princess of poverty is coming out in november from image comics pre-order that one now at your comic shop let image know how many to print and make sure you reserve a copy it will go with Deadly Girl Alive. Together, those two books collect all of my Street Angel comics that I've made so far. So, like I say, that is your marching orders from me, is go to your store and pre-order Street Angel Princess of Poverty. Also, pick up uh, Hulk Grand Design while you're there. It's out of print at the distributor level, which I think means it's out of print. So pick it up while you still can before they're all gone. And uh, I have been self-publishing zines and comics. So... BW is back in print celebrating the 80s Explosion comics. 1986 is brand new, just fresh off the presses yesterday. This is a celebration of the year of 1986, which really saw comics change dramatically. I'm excited to unpack that over the next month uh, going forward. And True Crime Funnies, three nonfiction comics in, in uh, full color and black and white. You can, you can read these all on my Patreon, patreon.com slash jimrug. And also I will be offering print editions uh, on my website, maybe in late October sometime. Got, got to get through Baltimore Comic-Con and then uh, we'll be selling these whatever remains. Sooner than later, we'll yes. say. Sooner than later comes the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. It's going to come out October 18th to be exact. We've printed up uh, this whole thing. We've published it. We are sending it to the different warehouses and now your comic shop has to order it. Your comic shop needs to know who is going to uh, want this book so that they can order uh, accordingly and uh, you can't take for granted that it's just going to be on the racks because we have already sold so many uh, through pre-orders online and things so it's going to be 500 plus pa pages of comics uh, it is collecting all four volumes of the hip-hop family tree series that that are out to date 150 pages of additional materials which is going to make it kind of the ultimate statement on the hip hop family tree series just in time for the 10th anniversary of hip hop family tree and the 50th anniversary of hip hop as a culture not going to be the only holiday release for 2023 from from yours truly the x-men grand design trilogy trade paperback is going to be coming out it's going to be the same cover but slightly smaller trade paperback size collecting all of my x-men grand design works and some of those are out of print as we speak so it's going to be your way to get uh, your hands on all of it at once 
Red Room is the current focus, and there are two Red Room trade paperbacks out there right now, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. But coming to you right now is Red Room Crypto Killers. Uh, it's going to be a four-issue series. I believe as of this recording next week, the fourth issue should be coming out. And uh, this third issue of Crypto Killers is going to contain a backup story called Latchkey Kids, uh, which are the proto versions of the characters I'm covering in my uh, daily comic strip, which is titled Switchblade Shorties. And I'm serializing that on my Patreon right now, but it's going to hit the the uh, outside world January 1st, 2024. Jimmy, what are the other ways that the kayfabe audience can support the channel? They can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, fanny packs, uh, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video in the show notes. All good ways to support the channel. Given those marching orders and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.